0: Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook add a cuppa and join me in the social to room. Yeah, so welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. We're really lucky today to talk about a really important topic that personally is really important to me, which is the imposter syndrome. We've got two wonderful guests willing to speak to us today. I should put a bit of background. We've got John Hamer with us, who, if I get this right, you're the head of society, religion, and life? <laughs> it sounds quite like uh, quite spiritual there.
1: Yeah, yeah, religion, society, and life.
0: Religion society I've got them all the wrong way around but yeah, that's an immense title. I was like, wow. I mean, just I think it's just the life bit in itself, like the head of life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not thought about it that way, yeah.
0: And we've got Brandy Robin with us as well, um also head of social sciences, but not the uh, head of life unfortunately, speaking speak with us today. So first of all, thank you ever so much for coming to speak to us. That's cool, that's cool. So first of all, I want to put a bit of background of how I I sort of saw you guys, a bit of weird. Like obviously I I was sort of listening to um, or reading the comments on on Facebook on our sort of active um, social sciences, sociology page. Um, And you put some really lovely comments. I think I won't sort of go into detail because obviously for confidentiality and stuff, but it was, you know, someone was talking about imposter syndrome and they felt that, that was something they were concerned about and both put on some really lovely sort of thoughtful comments and I thought wow that's that's really inspiring and to have that community of teachers that are willing to put themselves out there and say something so I want to say thank you for that as well because I think it's really brave of you to put yourself out there and share your experiences and just to, to give that support. So first of all let's let's go straight into thinking about the imposter syndrome and thinking about um about that what first of all what does that mean to you as, as a social sociology teacher or, or a, a teacher of the social sciences what does that mean to you um john
1: well for me imposter syndrome is feeling like you don't deserve to have the position you're in or feeling like um basically feeling your rubbish you're feeling your rubbish as a mm-hmm. teacher and I think in, as sociology has become a lot more popular, um, so more and more schools are starting to offer it, and so there's a demand for teachers to be teaching it. But I don't think that many current teachers that are entering teaching have sociology as a specialism. I mean, I did it for A-level, and that's how I ended up teaching it uh, GCSE. We added it onto our religious studies um, department as well. And so I, I think there's teachers that are experiencing sociology teaching it, but have not looked at it for many years, or have never really looked at it before. Um, I said, so. I think some people fall into sociology from other subjects. Um, and there's such a wide selection, and sorry, collection of like studies, names, and technical terms in sociology that I feel teachers feel sometimes overwhelmed if it's not their main subject. Uh, all it takes is just one student who's read one study online, uh, and it can throw a teacher completely, uh, and they no longer feel like they are the teacher in the room. They, you know, it's kind of caught them off guard. They don't—they're outside their comfort zone. Uh, I also think this has certainly increased a lot during the pandemic years, as there's not been kind of final exams um, as such to kind of quantify our kind of worth as teachers in exam subjects. So we don't know if we've been doing a good job or not. And there's all these things that. Even teachers need you know, someone to say, you know, there, there, you're doing a good job you know, it, to keep us going.
0: These are some really interesting things. And I know that we had sort of a podcast similar to that where it was about sort of non-specialists. So you've highlighted the fact that we've got a lot of non-specialists coming into the subject um, and the fact that maybe we sort of fall into it. And I saw that you know, Brandy was nodding her head there and going, so I, I would come to sort of find out what your experience there, Brandy, on that is as well. And also you just mentioned um, that sort of quantifiable element. And I, you know, it, myself, I've talked for, sociology for 18 years now but definitely not having it it was really good that was really when I sort of smiled I went, oh yeah yeah that's a really bad point I didn't even think of it until you said that actually I personally had never thought of it like that but as much as we sort of like oh exams 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 um actually it's that thing of saying oh actually I can teach and I'm teaching right and x amount of students got this amount of grades so it's a really powerful point there I saw a brand of you nodding your head there um so what's your understanding of, of the imposter syndrome
2: um do you know what? I think the main reason we have imposter syndrome as teachers is because it's like I think there's three times that you would experience imposter syndrome, in my in my opinion, as a parent, as a teacher and as a police officer, because when we grow yeah. up, they are like the the they're like a separate authority figure to us. So when we now become those authority figures, it's like you're sort of shocked that you are playing that role that you used to see in others. And I think it was hit, the nail was hit on the head about the specialism, because one thing that just like brings tears to my eyes when I hear teachers say, oh, well, sociology is an easy subject to teach. You know, family, education, we've all done it. Nothing upsets me more than hearing, we've all been in a family, we've all gone to school. And then what happens is these non-specialists are thrown into the subject and they're like oh wait i've got a mum and a dad but i don't understand social action theory or yeah i've got a mum i grew up with siblings but guess what i don't understand the impact of globalization for example on Mm -hmm. the family so i think it's a combination of both one we're already in a role that's that's naturally going to bring on imposter syndrome but also combined with a subject that has this like reputation for being an easy subject, we end up with so many non specialists. I've seen so many non specialists over the years. Um, I've been head of sociology in many different places, and it's always, oh, she teaches a bit of this, she'll be fine doing this. Mm. And I think exactly what you said so in sociology, we have like different textbooks and you will be teaching from one textbook your whole career, open another textbook and you're like, who is that? (laughs) Never taught them, never heard of this approach. And it can get really overwhelming because one thing that people don't realise about sociology is how heavy the content is. So yeah, it might be easier to grasp, but the content is heavy. And I Mm -hmm. think that's where the imposter syndrome comes from because you can't believe that you have all of this responsibility and I feel like me I'm I get I still get it all the time but and you feel Mm -hmm. like am I actually doing a good job or do I just get by day to day Mm -hmm. and the school that I've been at I've been there for this is my fifth academic year and when I where I joined I've never taken kids through two years and they've done an exam because of Covid. And you think exactly what you were saying. Oh, how do I know that I'm doing a good job? And I think this year the pressure is on because we're all so worried. Oh, my God, if, if we tank our results, is that a reflection of whether or not we're a good or a bad teacher, I guess? So definitely the non-specialism is, is definitely a reason why teachers are feeling that way.
0: So yeah you said like the young know, specialist and obviously i did again another thing i hadn't even thought of but this is like a really enlightening conversation as well like you know and i suppose it's true like it's that feeling of like oh my goodness i've got a position of responsibility like i'm actually adulting here like i'm not you know like you know when you're a kid this sort of reminds me of that's why i was smiling like you know when you're kidding you like playing maybe it was just me i was playing like these games but obviously i played teacher that's, that's cool. what i did and i set homework out for my brothers who didn't want to do it um, <laughs> but the point is like you're playing a game. It's it's a role, and then all of a sudden, you're performing that role. And it's like, likewise, like you said, when you played mummies or daddies when you were a child, and then actually you've got a baby, and you're trying to do that. So that's like, that's obviously a real, a sort of normal feeling because of that role. And then obviously you said about the non-specialist element, and I know that there's been a lot of talk around that. In thinking about it and sort of turning it on the head I mean I was, I've been reading sort of research around this and I don't think it's I don't think it's exclusive to just one thing but there's like I was looking at my data here but like 40 44 percent apparently of teachers are thinking of in state education in the next five years now they're saying obviously the research I think it's from the NEU is saying that it's obviously teacher workload and sort of hours and etc etc but I was always wondering I wonder how much that's being contributed by that feeling of okay, I've got all this work to do, but if I'm feeling I'm going to be an imposter in doing this, then that makes it even doubly hard, doesn't it? So I was thinking to myself, like, you know, how did we manage this? You know, like, obviously... I suppose there's two strands it's how do we manage this as, as an individual and how do we manage this in sort of your roles as head of department so if i come to you john first obviously your mm-hmm. head of head of the department and obviously a sociology teacher i suppose there's yeah. two strands from that so how how do we manage this like let's start with ourselves i suppose how do we like that sunday night feeling you know the, the that feeling either on the sunday night or the beginning of a new term. And I think I can't do this. How can we, how can we do Because I know you wrote some really lovely comments and I was like, oh my God, that's really lovely. Like, that was really good. Like, yeah, that's it, how I would approach it.
1: Well, for me, I think it's important to acknowledge that everyone experiences imposter syndrome in some way, at some point, and also you can get it Multiple times, you might find it comes in cycles during the year. You may find, like during the summer months, when you're not, you know, teaching, you suddenly think, "Am I able to teach anymore?" Or it could be, you know, in in winter time when it's it's dark and there's exactly you know mocks and things like that going on. um So, for me personally, I, for me to overcome it, one of the biggest messages I had, kind of with myself, was that not to be a perfectionist. Um, but sometimes as you're saying that my mentor taught me what was 15 16 years ago um, sometimes 80% is good enough sometimes 60% is good enough sometimes to survive it is a textbook based lesson and you say to them look this is what we're doing today and it's just to, it's just to survive um you know i've had colleagues that have tried to be the perfect teacher and have been you know staying up till like 1 or 2 in the morning and i have done that on occasions in the past but you then pay for it and the students then pay for it. So I think to protect ourselves uh, physically and mentally, sometimes we just have to accept, Accept. look, this lesson is gonna be good enough for now.
0: Mm, that's so true. That's so true because, you know, I think I said this like I've, I've to um, people that I've mentored in the past, you know, a teacher's job is never done, you know, particularly mm. like something like a subject like sociology where there's always more research coming out, there's more to read, you know, there's not like a, a sort of deadline But actually, it's knowing that you can't be perfect I think that's a really powerful thing and I think the second thing you said or the first thing you said was the idea of you know this this comes in ebbs and flows and everyone feels it. it's not something that that goes away it doesn't you don't get to pass in your ECT year and all of a sudden you're now you know a, a good or outstanding teacher nor is it if you're supposed if you have a a judgment from Ofsted, like saying that you are outside, although they don't tell you anymore. Um, but it's, it's something that continues may happen, and that's okay, that's normal. So, um, come to you, Brandy. I mean, is there anything from an individual point of view that that's something you could add to, or is there, as John said, it up there? No, I agree with everything that John said about just acknowledging that, like, not
2: everything can be perfect. Me, I am definitely at a point. In, I mean, I just had a baby, so sometimes I just think. I've done my best, you know, like my school mm-hmm. were like, we need all of the schemes of learning done. Um, I just now have come back as head of sociology and criminology. So over the summer, I spent ages, I worked really hard, the education, the methods. And then I realized I still had some little bits to do on theory and methods. I just didn't send it over. Cause I just thought mm-hmm. I've done the rest. I've done my best. And I think that with imposter syndrome in sociology, because I, I help a lot of teachers mostly like on WhatsApp. They'll just WhatsApp me saying, can you explain this? Can you help me with this? And, like, these things can only come with experience. Like, I'm in, like, my eighth year of teaching A-level sociology. And I did marking this year. And there are things that I learned this year that I had absolutely no idea about. Things that I just think, ah. If I knew this all these years, maybe my teaching would have been a little bit different. Hope none of my students hear that. But right. um, it's like it's, I always tell my when I work with NQTs, just relax. As as it's so much easier said than done. But the, every year that goes on, you'll get better and better and better and better. And with you can't you can't rush experience. And that's why whenever they make a mistake, it's experience. You know, my sister's a teacher. And one thing she always says is, we're only as good as our last lesson. So every lesson we're getting better, we're learning. Oh, I tried that, that didn't work. You know, just like the children, we're always learning, evaluating, getting better. So I always just tell, try to tell, especially NQTs, yes, it can seem difficult right now. You may seem like this is not for you right now. But as time goes on, the more comfortable you are, you won't be up till 1am, like you were saying, doing lesson plans, because you're just putting out your resources that you've already made. You won't be stressing about how you're teaching this, this, this and this, but it comes with time. It just, it can't be rushed. You know, that's what I try to give them reassurance of.
0: Yeah, like being sure so, it's so powerful, and so sort of course over to sort of the other point, which is how can he heads of the department help, you know, and like you said, it's like this idea that it's something that can't be rushed, and like you said, like say staying up, the sort of part of the imposter feeling is, oh, I've got to stay up to one o'clock to have these perfect resources, but like you said, the following year, you've just got to tweak them and tweak them, and actually like, referencing your sister, who's not, who's not here, so giving a shout out to your sister, is uh, the idea that you know, we're good as our, our last lesson, which could create like anxiety for some teachers, but actually it's that idea of knowing that we're always evolving we're always improving. And actually that's not a bad thing that, and also I think that going back to what John said, that season of time is knowing that sometimes we've just got to do things that are like, you know, you might be feeling really run down and that it's not like every lesson you're going to give out a text but maybe that's for one lesson that's okay because you know yourself you're doing it for a reason and it's yeah. about protecting yourself as well so that you're okay to come in on the following week and you're not off sick for 10 days or something like that so the whole range of points you pointed out so come back to the head of department element i know that brand has just spoken about that there john obviously you're a head of department as well um yeah. so what things do you put into place to sort of support your either ECTs or your experienced members staff as you said experienced members of staff can feel like this as well
1: I personally make quite a lot of use of the notes bit in powerpoints so when I create resources and things I often put things in the notes in a kind of based on my own experience you know you could you could ask them this you might be able to do this you can do this if there's time so that they don't feel like well, hopefully they don't feel like they are alone in front of uh, a class, um, you know, kind of out on a limb, not knowing what they're doing. So they've got hopefully stuff there. I make resources, but I'm not precious over them. I'm happy for anyone to adapt them and change them. Um, But you know, as long as the lesson objective is fulfilled, but I have made resources so that non specialists can teach using our you, you know, using the materials that we make.
0: So yeah, sort of sharing, I suppose best practice, ideas of supplementary mm-hmm. questions. Um, and then obviously, like you said, the idea of um, not being willing to share your resources, not being impression about them, sort of collaborative mm-hmm. working. Thinking about that, something that both of you have mentioned, um, sort of aligns in with that. And I think something you both mentioned on two separate occasions was the idea of, sometimes teachers open up a textbook and they go to themselves, oh my goodness, I've never heard of that name before, that study before. Um, how do we like how do we change our outlook on that thing because obviously that can throw some teachers and, and add to that imposter syndrome all like, well, i can't be you know i've been teaching for x amount of years but i've never heard of x y and z um obviously everyone knows these sort of classic names and i know john you've got a, a brilliant t-shirt there as well sort of to, to highlight obviously it's, it's car for those people that can't see the t-shirt but you know those classics you'll know um but you know how can we get our head around these ideas Okay, yes, you might see a textbook and you might have a name that you don't know. You know, how can we sort of look at that maybe differently, um, a branding. I hate
2: to give a practical response, but AQA have a document with the things that need to be covered and you will find that there's lots of additional things here and there. And I always say to my team, look, anything that's not on this document is a bonus. So don't, I get it a lot on WhatsApp, They'll, Like somebody will message me and be like I've never heard of this sociologist, do I need to teach it and they're like really panicked and it's literally the same thing that I say to my students as well, like when we look at things like essays, right, you're never gonna write an essay on functionalism and need to know eight different functionalists. So like I'll have a student come to me at the end of the lesson, she's crying. Oh my goodness, the cognitive functions of religion. I've got no idea. I don't understand it. And I sort of whisper in her ear, like, Can I be honest with you? Don't worry about it. Delete it from your revision. I mean, I don't want any teachers to be like taking notes on this. Like, Oh, okay, I'll do that as well. Because it's not the best practice. But like, there's so much content that as long as you're covering the basics, you don't need to get so overwhelmed with the additionals. And I always say to like, say to my staff like imagine if you had a textbook that only had this stuff in it nobody would buy it they have to put these additional materials in it so i'd love to give like a more like deep holistic response about how we can overcome that overwhelming feeling but my best advice is search the internet that is a really good way of knowing oh okay never heard of this person. And as I'm sure you see in our Facebook group, we get it all the time. Oh, do I need to teach this? You know, FNA phenomenology every single year that comes up. Do it. It's the hardest. It's one of the hardest concepts to teach in sociology. It's one of the hardest concepts to grasp. And every single year, teachers are asking, do we need to teach it? So I think indicative content is, is really useful, which is what, As you were saying, what we can do as heads of department, that's what I like to do for my team. Exact same thing that you were saying, John, in the sense of, I've got my scheme of learning that's got synoptic links, because that's the only thing that a non-specialist may not be able to grasp. So I would say, really good opportunity to link to this. And at the start of every year, I say, it sounds a bit rude. I'm so sorry, I don't mean to say it like that. But I'll be like, must link to secularization. Secularization links to everything, must discuss this. and. And then on the other side, I'll just have, this is what must be covered. Anything else? Great. It's a bonus. But I think that's the best way to support non-specialists. Synoptic links, ways to challenge students, ways to expand. And then what is the minimum content that needs to be taught? And when you've got that clear direction, it will essentially stop you from going so overboard and so overwhelmed you know teachers will be like oh I spent three weeks on this topic and you're just like (laughs) you don't need to spend that long you know yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that's a really good valid point isn't it because I think actually if you sort of start from that standpoint is that actually it doesn't come out with anything additional then you start to look at it in a, a clearer head and a more analytical head and willing to take on more stuff but it's almost like I am of another analogy, I'm sort of bringing it to food, maybe because it's just the type of the day that we're recording. But it's like if you go to a buffet, right, and as much as I love a buffet, you yeah, know, I do love my food, it can feel a bit um, overwhelming to put it all on your plate. You're like, oh, I've got to put everything on, and you're like, oh, no, I don't want any of it. Oh. And then you get to your table and you just don't fancy any of it, whereas actually it's just taking a little bit and thinking, right, well, I'll just focus on that, and then I can go up for more and go up for seconds. It's like, you know, it's that idea of little bits of, like, chunking, like the advice you give the students. Um... <laughs> That's okay. Um someone's excited.
1: Someone's talk about sociology, I think. Well, I do um we do educast GCSE and so it's actually quite good to hear uh, that Brandy's having the same thing with AQA le- A level. Um that we have what we're told to teach and then there was a, so there was an examiner uh, approved textbook that came out. So when we first started the course we were teaching using that you know to make sure that we covered everything you know that that helped me uh, when i first started was making sure that i covered everything that was in there Then i knew you know my job was done hooray then a revision guide was released uh, that was also examiner approved and it was full of loads of stuff that wasn't in the textbook and it wasn't in the like the you know the uh, stuff on the website and it, that made me start panicking and made me going you know oh my word uh, you know have i done my kids a disservice by not teaching them this i don't know this I don't think anyone knows this you know and it, so there was a real kind of concern there but i had to kind of accept uh, just like brandy said that there's so much stuff and that we we will always be learning and i kind of just turned it on its head when when kids were presenting me with stuff in class you know so i had some real kind of um very able students that were you know reading above and beyond what we were doing they were looking online and of course there's a lot of stuff online is a level run gcse for sociology Mm -hmm. so they were they were reading you know beyond what i was teaching and they were asking me questions and so i thought well i've got a couple of options here i can either go i you know i've never heard of that and be honest with them and so i kind of just found a middle middle ground you know to kind of keep the power keep the status (laughs) um by kind of going Now I have heard something about this before. Bear with me; I always get this bit a bit wrong, Uh, and then you know, then I gives me some time to quickly look up uh, what you know what it is they're talking about, and then we can learn about it together. And I just look at it that if it's something I don't know, then I find it out. I'm you know I'm investing in myself, investing in my own CPD. Still, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think you said like I think you said there as well that you're always evolving, you're always learning. Actually, could be acts as a little bit of role modeling, I think, sometimes for students, you know, and I think, they, and I think always, we, you know, me personally, I always sell it to the students. And so sociology is always growing and evolving as a subject there's always mm. research. And that's what's exciting about it. So unless you're sort of on top of every bit of research, you're not going to be able to keep abreast of it all the time. And you don't want to be because you want to be learning, you're not going to know everything. And actually, that's some real good role modeling there as well. I'm sorry, Brenda, you, you wanted to say something no no i
2: was just saying yeah that's that's a good one i get the same just yesterday i had a lesson uh, an introduction to year 12 and i was saying to the students just to research the basics of Marx and feminism functionalism i gave them a list of websites and i told them do not go on any university level website <laughs> because i my degree is not in sociology, as my students are always shocked to find out. Um, I did a teaching degree. I did sociology A level, but I've got lots of sociology within my degree. And um, you know, students will make notes on these concepts, and they read it out in class, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm, okay." Not necessarily from AQA or on Instagram, because I run an Instagram page. I always have to just dis- 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 clarify because staff are always like, what do you mean you've got kids messaging you on Instagram? But um, on Instagram, I've probably once a month, twice a month, a student will message me with a question, but it's uni-based. And I'm always just like, I have absolutely no idea. Like literally ne- never even heard of what you're talking about.
1: Maybe you so should look at it that you've also. inspired, yeah. sorry, maybe you should look at it more that you've inspired their you know their individual independent learning no. you're a facilitator more than a teacher
0: i'll take that
1: there you go
0: and that's exactly <laughs> what i was going to say john i was actually going to say that i said how can we turn this potential imposter syndrome into something positive sort of to end on on this really you know how can we turn it into something because obviously we could turn it into a net like that half glass empty half glass full idea and going well actually i don't know this or as, as John just said, we've inspired and we are facilitated with learning and it's okay not to have everything and actually if the students are going off and looking at university websites and like recent research, actually they're taking ownership of their own learning and actually you're inspiring them as John said. Um, so is there any other positives? I mean we could always look at it as oh it's terrible but just a final thought, how can we sort of walk away and go actually you know this imposter syndrome we talk about the sort of feeling of like oh i can't do this how could this be just quickly turned into a positive potentially uh, final comment from from john and then from brandy if possible please uh,
1: for me i think it's acknowledging that you have imposter syndrome or acknowledging how you're feeling if you can verbalize that to someone if you can find someone not necessarily at school doesn't have to be at school but finding someone that you're able to talk to about how you're feeling i think is is half the battle um and then celebrating any victories that you do have you know any cards that you get from kids any um things where you know kids leave going oh my word i don't i don't know are are the school trying to train us just for a world of work you're like brilliant we've got through to you you know it's those little kind of things and for me focusing on those rather than any mistakes that you will inevitably make um, i have a quote above my door well, i've got two one says Ab- abandon hope all ye who enter here um the other one says um if you uh, what's it? if you um learn from your mistakes they're no longer mistakes but lessons so encouraging you know if you do make a mistake as long as you learn from it great it's a lesson uh, i try using that excuse with my wife quite a lot and say i make no mistakes uh, but she also claims i don't learn anything from them either so
0: I tell you, you're like everyone. I'd love to be. I feel like I could be your sociology lesson now. So, like, like oh, yeah, this is so true. I've already. Uh, Brandy, any any sort of final comments on how we can turn this into a positive?
2: Um, yeah, I agree with everything you were saying about about it all being a learning curve and speaking to other people and other. You realise that other people who have got ten years on you still feel the same. You'll look at excellent, outstanding teachers who still feel the same. And also I just think it's about just never forgetting, because I think one thing that teachers forget that teaching is a skill and anyone who does a skill is always going to look back at their work and be like, wow, that was rubbish. And then in five years, you might think today, today I could think I'm the greatest sociology teacher and feel really confident. And in five years, you're going to look back again and be like, oh God, I can't believe I used to do that. And I just think it's about acknowledging that I'm not saying we should compare ourselves to like, you know. well, yes, we should. If you look at anyone who does a skill or a craft, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like singers, for example, and you listen to like, I always tell my students about this. There's like a video of Ed Sheeran on YouTube singing like terribly out of tune. It's terrible. You know, in sociology, we always talk about uh, people that failed at first. A skill is something that grows all the time. And we are constantly growing. And I just think that's what's important. And seeing anything that goes wrong as a learning curve and something that we want to adapt on. And just like what you were saying, for me, I always say if one student you've made a difference for, if one student comes out happier than when they left, then, then we've made a difference. If all the kids in the class hate you, it's not gonna affect their education because they hate you. But if one child is like, wow, you've inspired me to do A, B or C, you don't have to know the whole textbook off by heart to like inspire a student because it's not only about your knowledge or your pedagogy skills or what, not what number rating you get from your line manager, because those things bring us down, right? But they're literally one snapshot in how hard we work. And I think one thing that I would leave on is that if you've got imposter syndrome, you're probably a good teacher in the first place. Somebody once told me that about being a parent. If you're worried about whether or not you're being a good parent, only good parents worry about that. And only good teachers worry about whether they're being a good teacher. You never hear a rubbish teacher that never stays behind, never comes in early, never does anything, go, oh, God, I wonder if I'm working hard enough. So I think that's really important for anyone who's listening to this thinking they've got imposter syndrome. You're already doing a great job by being worried that you're not doing a good job.
0: Oh, some lovely bits of advice. So true, so true, so true. Learn from your mistakes. And yeah, I think it's a healthy, managed, obviously, it's, it's... impacting on people's life that's that's different but obviously a healthy small amount of worrying um is actually good a sign of good, being a good teacher because it shows you're caring you're being reflective thank you for both your times i appreciate that you're both really busy obviously um children work first beginning of term um, but i've really enjoyed this conversation lots to think about there and um, have a wonderful evening thank you for your time thank, thank you. you thank you
1: take care bye-bye
2: Bye. The Sociology Staff Room is brought to you by Tutor2You Sociology. Find us at tutortou.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at Tutor2YouSoc or Instagram at Tutor2YouSoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers.
0: See you soon.